grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, when is a door not a door? Come on. You, know, you got this one. When is a door not a door? When it's ajar. See, that's a dad joke. Dad, dads get that. You know, it's a, a thing I'm kind of infamous for within my own family. Ooh. Uh, it always cracks me up, but it seldom has the same effect upon them. You know, they just, they just don't get it. They shake their head. But what are you going to do? Because I just love the word twisting and the awful puns that form the basis for that kind of humor, okay? Now, as we're looking at our gospel today, we're going to look at some word twisting and some unusual uh, images that, that Jesus puts forth in our scripture passage for today. And because they are a bit foreign sounding, at least to our ears, we might need to unpack them just a little, just to get their full intent. So first of all, we've got to understand the immediate context of what's going on here. Jesus had just finished dealing with the Pharisees over their reaction to the man born blind. Remember, remember him, the, the one who Jesus healed on the Sabbath, the one who ended up taking the Pharisees to task for, for not seeing what he could now see, that Jesus was in fact the promised Messiah. That's what he saw, the first thing he saw. And right after, right before this, as we open with, with Jesus' gospel today, he sums up what's going on for, for the people around. He says this, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And in response to that, the Pharisees who were standing there listening, they, they said, are, are we also blind? And of course, Jesus had the last word in this dialogue. He said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. See, this isn't the end of Jesus rebuking these religious leaders. And he's going to continue by sculpting a word picture for his hearers, one that's especially rich in Old Testament imagery. And as he usually does, when he has something important to say, Jesus begins with, truly, truly, amen, amen, which is his standard indication that it's time to listen up and pay close attention. And then, through a, an image that's common to the people of his day, Jesus establishes just who the real shepherd of the flock of Israel is. So he starts this way. I say to you, he who does not enter into the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now you can you feel the, the Pharisees, they're already starting to get a little uncomfortable by what's going on, and you know it's only going to get worse for them. And he continues with, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, 
He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So there's two things going on here. First off, this is a further rebuke of the Pharisees who had refused to listen to Jesus even as the man blind from birth heard the master and easily discerned that he was the one to follow. You see, because the the sheep hear and they recognize the shepherd's voice. Now, more importantly, this is a direct allusion to a passage from the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 27, where we find Moses saying this, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep who have no shepherd. That's Numbers 27, 16, and 17. Now, as a careful student of the word, I've always been sensitive to the subtleties found in the Old Testament, to the hidden references about the Messiah, about who he will be and what he will do. And this is one of those passages. It seemingly points to the one who will come as a shepherd, come from the line of another famous shepherd, by the way, David. But as I was reading this, God seemed to wink at me a bit, and I could almost hear him say, here's a clue, because I looked at the very next verse, and it says this, So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua. And that's when I fell off my chair. Of course, the the passage here reads, Joshua, for us, that's the translation we have. But in the original Hebrew, it says Yeshua. And that particular name, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, translates to, wait for it, Jesus. That's what catches my attention. Now, the actual passage is all about commissioning Joshua to become Moses' second in command, preparing him to lead the Israelites into the promised land, because Moses had been barred from that. But what really caught my eye was this juxtaposition of what is the command to appoint a leader of the congregation with the name, the name. See, that's a prime example of what's called foreshadowing. The Old Testament Yeshua, Joshua, is a type, an image of the Messiah who was to come. See, he was the one who would lead the runaway slaves across the Jordan, break down enemy strongholds in miraculous fashion, and establish a place for God's chosen people. And similarly, the Messiah, when he would come, What did he do first? When he started in ministry, he entered the Jordan in baptism. And then, in the next three and a half years, he did things that would destroy the power of Satan and of death itself to establish a permanent home for God's chosen people, believers like us. Jesus knows his sheep well, and he cautions his people with, A stranger they will not follow, 
but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. See, the, the Pharisees had totally failed that man born blind. Not only did they fail to see to his knees as he lived his life as a beggar on the street, but then they had the gall to expel him from their fellowship once he could see, because he saw that Jesus was the one that he should be following. These Pharisees, they're like the worthless shepherds of Ezekiel 34, where we read this. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. See, the sad thing here is that God had placed these men in their positions to become good shepherds. He entrusted his flock to them. But they didn't honor his word. They didn't heed the promises. And they didn't protect the flock, choosing their own comfort over the needs of the people. That is why Jesus came to be our good shepherd, the, the very image of the 23rd Psalm. Now, at this point, Jesus kind of mixes his metaphors a bit. He says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. See, this statement departs a little bit from his illustration of the shepherd, but it is closely related but it makes you ask, what's a door? In the context of the sheepfold, it's the only legitimate access point to the sheep. It's the gate. The rest of the structure is all high rock walls, often topped with briars, to discourage those who would try to climb over them to come and steal and destroy. The door, or the gate, is ordinarily controlled by a gatekeeper who only allows entry to those who are supposed to be there. And this door is the only way in or out. But Jesus is bringing a higher sense here, like, like you might find in Psalm 118.20, where it says this, This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. And later in John, Jesus will tell his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's an exclusive door, one that you certainly want to use. Jesus concludes this discourse with a summary statement again. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This, among other things, is a final condemnation of the Pharisees who are standing there taking all this in. Because Jesus was equating the current spiritual leadership of Israel with thieves and robbers. And they got the point. See, these men had been standing against his message of hope and reconciliation from the beginning of his ministry. They had rejected out of hand the claims that he might be the promised Messiah. And, you know, they ultimately condemned him for it. At the same time, they had lost the confidence of the people who were anticipating the soon coming of the promised Redeemer of Israel. His people didn't listen to them. I want you to carefully notice, though, the words he used about his sheep, because that's about you. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, that's the gospel. That's good news for us. And these words are meant to recall some Old Testament scriptures again, echoing God's covenant promises, such as what we find in Deuteronomy 26, 8, where it says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out as well as words that we sometimes even encounter in our liturgies from Psalm 121. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So when is a door not a door? It's when the Savior leaves it ajar. And thanks be to God, that's exactly what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. He is our access point, and he is always open to those who trust in him. In the end, we will find pasture, along with the abundant life that Jesus brings to those he loves and died for. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And may he keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.